monster, a creature with such horrific features, a lady, a bride, and scary movie fan. Some nerds and their website present this woman and her man. Hello, and welcome back to a very special Halloween edition of the Bride of the Creature podcast, featuring me, the creature, Joey G, and joining me, as always, the cutest podcaster in town, the bride, Nicole. Hello. How are you, love? I'm good. How are you? Oh, real good. Happy Halloween to you. Happy Halloween. We just finished carving our pumpkins. That's right, we did. Putting them outside with My the flickering candle. Now. Why is your arm sore? Well, mine was complicated. Did you see how many? It was I intricate. know. I don't know why you agreed to do that. Well, he asked for a spider, and I'm a good dad. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Fuck me, right? <laughs> so, so, normally... This, sorry. I was going to say, normally we... Um, we go. We, we find a time within 30 days to watch a movie and record a podcast, and we usually end up watching and recording at the last possible second. And here we are recording a whole two days before we had to... But we watched four movies. Exactly. We kicked ass. So this month we did the entire Scream franchise. Not my idea. Yes, it was your idea. Yes. The Scream T- franchise TV show was your not, idea. TV show not included. Kevin Williamson got the idea from you. Aw, thanks. It's about time you got the credit you were you were due. Yeah. So you have like a short novel worth of notes there. So yeah, I was gonna exciting. say this is the most work I've ever done for a podcast. This I is the only work you've ever done for a podcast. So excited to be here. What <laughs> do you mean the only work? I show up and yeah. talk. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> I pick a movie, sometimes at the last minute. But <laughs> Yeah, boy. <coughs> Sorry. You really do work hard. I do. I hope everyone appreciates your appreciates you like I do. Aww, I You're hope so too. Hun, that's what I appreciate about you. Oh, okay, so I took the dog for a walk tonight. Oh, Christ. And this is not another skunk story. And I'm not one of those people to be like, oh, you're putting up your Christmas decorations too early. I am. But this motherfucking person put up their Christmas decorations before Halloween. Sacrilege. Halloween decorations should go up on January 1st. They should remain up until December 14th, at which point you're allowed to put up your Christmas decorations. Agreed. But, but yeah, this person's anyway. a fuckhead. It's like, it's not even, Halloween's not even over. Let's torch their house. Also, just for the record, in case that person's house burns down, I didn't actually torch it. I just want to make sure that that's on the record. I was just kidding. <laughs> Okay, good. All just a big Glad it's on the record. Well, we have four movies to go through, so why don't we get started? All right. Let's kick things off with the first film of the trilogy of four. Uh, <laughs> 1996, Scream? Wes Craven's Scream. California Women's Crisis Counseling. My name is Laura. How can I help oh, you? Laura, I do have a crisis. I've killed someone, Laura. Who is this? Just one question. Do you think it's over, Sydney? Do you? Whoever it is, is now taking credit for Marine Prescott's murder. 
But we know who killed Marine Prescott. Billy Lewis and Stu Munker. I mean, they even told Sydney how they did it. Maybe there is a third killer. Guys, this was about cotton. We are not in any danger. We are not in any danger, says Candy, page 15. Who the fuck is this? Somebody who'd kill to know where Sydney Prescott is. What do you know about trilogies? Well, all I know about movie films is that one. All bets are off. Do you want to have this conversation with a polygraph? Is that a threat, detective? It's a threat. You'll know it. Was that a threat? Here's how I see it. I've got no house, no bodyguard, no movie, and I'm being stalked. Because someone wants to kill me? No, because someone wants to kill you. So now, starting now, I go where you go. That way, if someone wants to kill me, I'll be with you. And since they really want to kill you, they won't kill me. They'll kill you. Make sense? None. You are dealing with the concluding chapter of a trilogy. One, you got a killer who's going to be superhuman. Number two, anyone including the main character can die. This means you sit. Gail, Dewey, whoever, um, call me back. I can only hear myself. I only hear you too, Sydney. I am not dreaming. I am not crazy. He was there in Woodsboro. It's not Woodsboro, Sydney. Looks like Stab 3 is back in production. You gotta be praying this movie keeps going. Scream, 1996. So I first wanted to talk about a little bit about the era it came out in, um, and my my like affection for this movie. But I wanted to ask you, when do you remember it the first time you saw Scream? Oh, I think I was in junior high school, like grade eight or grade nine. That's probably when I started watching. Maybe even grade seven. I didn't really start watching scary movies until then. Yeah. Like, I'd watched very few until grade 8, grade 9, grade 10. Then I started to kind of get into them. But where um, were you? Like, who were you with? Uh, I'm I'm not 100% sure. I was either by myself or with my brother. I think I was by myself. By yourself. That's impressive yeah, with horror I'm movies. Pretty, I, I mean, most, I know you don't get scared, yeah, I'm, but... I watched most movies by myself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw the original three all by myself as I saw them. And I... I would have saw one and two at the same time. Oh yeah, I think probably they only they came out a year apart. Yeah, so. well, I mean, and three would have been out before I, by the time I'd seen it. Two thousand. Yeah, because I would have been in grade eight in two thousand. So I probably I might have watched all three back to back to back, or at least in a couple of days. Wow. So when I first saw it, I'd kind of written off horror movies as something I couldn't handle, because um, I had previously watched. The Witches in grade three, Great movie. which terrified me. Past episode of this podcast. We never did The Witches. Fuck, we have this argument every time. Yeah, we did. We did Jim Henson's The Witches? It's not a Jim Henson movie. It's a Nicholas Rogue movie that Jim Henson's <laughs> Creature Studio did the creatures for. Okay, I'll believe you. I know we've watched it together. I'm 99.9% sure we did it on the podcast. I don't think we did, but then in grade six, I watched Poltergeist and The Birds, which scared the absolute shit out of me. So Old kind of, well, The Birds. I mean, The Man with No Eyes. <laughs> yeah, stuck with me. Half a second shot in that one. Yeah, are you looking up if we've done? Yeah, I am because I'm sure we have. The and witches? you made me mad now. I'm not. Don't, the way you I doubted me. I don't mean to make you mad. I just don't you think do we've. Mean to make me mad. <laughs> 
But then my friend showed me Scream, and it was exciting and fun. And she, I saw she like handed me the cover. Drew Barrymore's on the cover, and then Drew Barrymore. Suck it! Oh, we did do it. Yeah, All right. That's right. We did. We did it between Cat People and The Brood. That was a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. Okay, I apologize. I didn't mean to make you mad. Can I continue with my book report? Continue with your book report. All right. Um, I lost track. What was I saying? I don't know. I was focusing pretty hard <laughs> on proving myself right. It's very important that you're right. Oh, very. Oh. To me, it's pretty important, yeah. Anyway, Drew Baymore being killed within the first 15 minutes is what blew my mind. You see her hanging from a tree, blood everywhere. It was amazing. And it was episode 50. It. Are you still on the witch, <laughs> Joey? Anyway, I didn't know there was a, a second and a third one when I watched it. So when I did find out, it was pretty exciting. But this kind of restored my faith that I can handle some horror movies. Mm-hmm. And I really love them. I recall when I watched them, I thought they were fine. I wasn't yeah. super into horror yet. No. I was kind of like, yeah, okay. That was fine. I, I think I actually watched them because I knew I'd read somewhere that Jay and Silent Bob were in three. Yeah. I think that's why I watched them because I was really into Jay and Silent Bob. Also, I think also watching Scream um, was, it was of my era. It's my generation. And well, I mean, you were 10 when it came out. Yeah, but still, but yeah. like, no, of, know, yeah, yeah. of all the slasher franchises, which I love pretty much all of them. Um, this is the one I relate to the most. It was, was my generation. I feel like this movie like is me. Yeah. I, I've always known about you how much you adore these movies. Yes. I, I've seen them with you multiple times, I'm sure. Or at least the first one. Yeah, we saw the fourth one in theaters together. We did, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Anyway, we can start can with... Can I continue with my book report? You can turn me with your book. But I'm going to... You're going to interject? So I have a whole book report I wrote of all the behind-the-scenes stuff, all the exciting stuff. Yeah, she's so got, like, poster board with, like, <laughs> stuff pasted to it. Not that organized, but I do have things highlighted. Multi-different colors, too. Different colors for beginning of the movie, end of the movie. For different moods. Middle of the movie. All right, continue. Blue, if I'm sad. <laughs> so, uh, all right, we start off with high school student Casey Becker getting a phone call from an unknown person who asks her what the now iconic line, What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, and she's all like, I don't know, I don't have a boyfriend fucking phone, man. Let's fuck. No, she has an answer. She knows her horror movie shit. Yeah, what does she say? Um, I believe she says Nightmare on Elm Street. The first one. And then she like makes a joke about how the rest of them suck. Which is funny. And then I went and looked at my rankings for the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, because I've seen all seven of them and I have them ranked. Yes. Uh, the one, I mean, my favorite by far is New Nightmare, as we yes. all know. And then my second is, that, like, the, the, the first one's actually my number three. Really? Yeah, three is better than one. Wait, n- Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is the second best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I that I is one of my favorites with Patricia yeah. Arquette. And then um, 2, 4, 5, and 6 are all fairly close together, except for, I think, 5. I've, I said there are 5 or 6 that I fucking hate. But Drew Barrymore saying that the rest of them sucked... Is cute. Is cute, and it's because Wes Craven did Dur- believe yeah. that the rest of them sucked. 
pretty yeah. much. Yeah. He wasn't a fan of what people did with it after well, they left turned his Freddy hands. Into a cartoon character. Yeah. So I think that was a cute nod. Anyway, it turns out that the killer is sadistic and starts to threaten her, and then he shows that he has her boyfriend Steve hostage and like duct taped to a chair outside the window. So she starts to is quiz my mic him. Okay? Sorry, it's fine, I just yeah. It. So okay. then she he starts to quiz her, and then if she gets the question wrong, she's he's gonna kill her boyfriend. And I'm just like, oh man, if anyone ever tried to like capture you and kill you, <laughs> if I didn't get trivia questions right, you'd be so lucky. Because you'd get them right. Because I'd probably get them right. I'm good at trivia. Especially if it's movie trivia. Are you kidding me? Well, we don't need to put that to the test here. If there's any sadistic maniacs <laughs> listening... Joey! Um, turn yourselves in and turn over a new leaf. Anyway, she gets the question wrong. Uh, and okay, I'll, I'll ask you the question, because you know the answer. But he goes, who's the killer in Friday the 13th? And she goes, Jason! It's Jason! And he's like, wrong! Wrong! Wrong answer, bitch! Or whatever. And she goes, no! It's not the movie like a thousand fucking times! It's Jason! See, and then goes, you should know. Then you should know that Mrs. Voorhees, Jason's mother, is the killer in the first one. With <laughs> your voice. I can't do the scream voice. My voice has been really messed up since the last episode, even. Oh, no. It's still not better, guys. Oh, Anyway, I was gonna say that um, when this before this was made, um, Wes Craven hadn't made a horror movie in a long time. Is that true? Yes, and he'd been making other things. He wanted to get away from horror, and Nev and not Nev Campbell. Um, he was presented with the script. He didn't know if he wanted to do it. Um, was saying no. He said no a few times, and then he found out that. Drew Barrymore had signed on to play the lead, which made him part of the reason why he wanted to, to direct it. And then I think it was a couple weeks before shooting, Drew Barrymore changed her mind, said she didn't want to play the lead. She wanted to play Casey Becker. Is it Becker or Beckett? It's Becker. But now I hate to question your police work here, darling, but Scream was made in 1996. And the, the four movies he made before that, 95, were Vampire in Brooklyn, which I'll give you is more of a comedy. But it's still, and then before that was New Nightmare, People Under the Stairs, Night Visions, and Shocker, all of which are just straight up horror movies. I know, but that was a while. There's like a long gap no, between. Like a year. Scream was ninety six. Vampire in Brooklyn's ninety five. New Nightmare's ninety four. People Under the Stairs is ninety one. Well, I watched a documentary, and he said that he was trying to get away from horror. Well, maybe he was, but he hadn't. Is what I'm saying. Anyway, but someone at, at a convention told him that he was getting soft. So he decided to do Scream. And also, hmm. but anyway, Drew Barrymore decided she didn't want to play the lead. She wanted to play Casey because no one would, ex she was the biggest star of the cast at the time and no one would believe that she would be killed in the first 15 minutes. And it was brilliant. Hmm. It was absolutely like brilliant. Psycho. You know, I think he only made three non-horror movies in his career and a short film. There was Parish Attempt, but and then Music of the Heart, which is not a horror. That was between Scream 2 and Scream 3. And then earlier he made Case Busters, which was like a Disney TV movie, I think. And then also he made this movie called Angela and the Fire is the Fireworks Woman, which is actually a straight up hardcore porn. <laughs> which is funny. the one he made after Last House on the Left and before The Hills Have Eyes. Cool. That's fun. Sorry, I'm just well. Go ahead, continue with your book report. I'm done. Oh, okay. Well then, the next day, uh, the news reporters are all turning up and being like, "Oh shit!" And all the students are like, "Fuck." They're, they'd killed Casey and Steve. We should party. <laughs> That's not what... That's kind of what happens. But then Sydney is struggling with the f impending first anniversary. Sydney Prescott is our hero, heroine. And she's... Played by Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. Uh, the immortal Nev Campbell. Uh, struggling with the impending first, first anniversary of her mother's murder by a man named Cotton Weary. 
played by Liev Schreiber, although I don't... I think we just see Liev Schreiber in, like, stock footage in this one, don't we? Like, he's not yes. really in the movie. Um, yeah. You see, like, news reporting footage of him. That's it. But that's it, yeah. Uh, so she, um, so she's waiting for her friend Tatum, and then she receives a scary phone call, and then she gets attacked by the Scream Killer, a.k.a. Ghostface, but manages to escape right before Billy Loomis arrives. Her boyfriend. And then she's like, oh shit, fucking Billy Loomis is a fucking murderer, because he dropped a cell phone. Which now wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Everyone has cell phones, but at the time... They were really rare. Yeah. I mean, we've all got cell phones, people, so come on, let's get real. Right. Uh, one thing I would point out, like, watching it this time, I was really struck by what a fucking piece of shit Billy Loomis is. He's just like, man, I know you're <laughs> sad that your mom died, but, like, why won't you fuck me? It's so, he sucks. It's so funny, because you kept pointing that out he all sucks. through the movie. And at the time, watching it when I was grade eight, and then, like, my continued rewatches of it, I was just like, yeah, that's what guys want. No, I wasn't like that. <laughs> no, you I, were dating me at that time, basically. I know, but we, like, the, my generation of women were brought up to be, like, just accepting of that's what guys want, and and we have to give it to them Guys or only want one thing, and it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. And that's Gundam models. Oh, gosh. That's all I want. Anyway... So yeah, yeah, I was like, that's just, so that's many just times normal. In this movie, I'm just like, fuck you, Billy, you suck. And then I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Joey's right. He does suck. But it, like my whole life growing up watching it, I'm like, yeah, that's just normal. That's because you were just thinking he's dreamy. I didn't think he was dreamy. He's not dreamy until Riverdale. He's on Riverdale? Yes, he plays... Um, Jughead's dad? Jughead's dad, and he's so dreamy. I've not watched Riverdale. No, Billy is so gross looking with his little stringy hair in front of his time. face. He's not... I thought Matthew Lillard, who plays Stu, was so dreamy. I Matthew had a Lillard on Matthew Lillard. does not play Stu in this movie. Matthew Lillard, like, <laughs> fucking goes fucking crazy as Stu in this movie. He's like, like spitting. You've never seen a bigger... Like, there was a choice <laughs> made, and he goes fucking huge on this movie. He's manic in this movie. Holy He's all over the place. shit. So when I was watching, so I watched, so all the information that I'm going to be spewing comes from either IMDb, Wikipedia, and I watched two documentaries, Still Screaming and Scream the Inside Story. Yeah. Matthew Lillard, in an interview, <coughs> says that he, he finds his performance unwatchable. He He's so... You can tell how uncomfortable he is with how he, <laughs> like, his spitting, his, like, he, he's, he just is so uncomfortable by it. But Wes Craven, in interviews, just talks about how much he fucking loved Matthew Lillard. He loved his yeah. performance. Matthew Lillard ad-libbed. I mean, they all kind of ad-libbed a lot of their lines, but he, everything Matthew Lillard said, he thought was hilarious. He left it all in. Um, actually, Wes Craven's favorite line why don't you save it till we get to the line? Okay. Because it's worth waiting for. All right. But yeah, I, I mean, look, I actually think Matthew Lillard is awesome in this movie, but yeah, he definitely goes big. But anyway, so, um, so <coughs> Billy gets arrested, and Sydney goes to Tatum's house, where she gets another threatening phone call. Oh, shit. Which also leads to my favorite part of the entire movie, hmm. which is um, after she talks to the scary guy, and they hang up, and then oh, right. and then Dewey, who is a character, David Arquette, who is a sheriff's deputy, and also Tatum's older brother... <laughs> Shows up and picks up the phone and goes, hello. The, <laughs> and the way he says hello is so funny. I think this movie, like, <coughs> mixes comedy with 
with like the horror elements so well. Mm-hmm. It's still funny. We still laugh out loud at those that parts. That part's very funny. It's a funny movie. It's funny. Um, David Arquette was originally they were auditioning him for the roles roles of either Stu or Billy, and when he read, cool. he, he's actually younger than. Um, one of them. Oh, yeah. So, but he he wanted to play um, Deputy Dewey. He thought he was he thought he was too old for those other characters. He looks too old. He also they all do, frankly, desperately but. wanted to kiss Courtney Cox. So oh. Joey knows my favorite parts like of Dad. this movie. I'd want to kiss Courtney Cox. Is that it's where Courtney Cox and David Arquette met? It's where they fell in love. I love their whole love story, which is over. Yeah, but Sorry. it's heartbreak, heartbreaking for me. Now he's wrestling. But like, some of my original ideas of what love and what romance and being in a relationship was was from this movie. But because was of what you get a bitch meets an idiot and they fall in love. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and this is my like chick flick too. Shit, I'm the idiot. Wrote, I'm not saying that you're not that. I wrote that they married, but they divorced in 2013. It's true, they did. Sad. But I love that this is where they met. I love mm-hmm. that their chemistry is real. I love that he wanted the role because he gets to kiss Courtney Cox. He, he, it's so cute. Let's get through I the rest it. of the synopsis and then we can go into more of your tidbits. So Billy gets released from jail and now they think that Sydney's dad might be the killer because the f- calls were traced to his phone. So because of these murders, <coughs> beg your pardon, school gets cancelled. And all the students are leaving the school and the principal is stabbed to death in his office. Now, the principal is played by the one, the only, Henry motherfucking Winkler, who combs his hair in a scene, and I was so happy. The Fonz, I love Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler just rules, and he gets butchered. So, it's funny, at the time, Henry Winkler had never seen a horror movie. Really? Yeah, and so, when he, the scene where he gets killed, and he's being stabbed, Craven calls cut, and he goes up to him, and he's like, so, have you ever been stabbed? And he said, no. And he said, well, do you think it would hurt? He's like, yeah. So, do you think it would hurt a lot? Yeah. He's like, can you scream for me? <laughs> I was, like, playing it oh, so bad at first. He's in the hundred cool. He's like, yeah, yeah, I think I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, so, Stu, played by Matthew Lillard, decides, hey, we should have a party because school's out and we're going to have a party. And our friend Randy will come, and Randy is my second favorite character in the franchise, played by Jamie Kennedy, and he's this movie nerd who knows all this trivia, and this is where we introduce, well, it's a little bit later, but at the party we introduce the rules, which is... The rules, I have... The whole thing about Scream, yeah, I know, I'm I'm setting you up, I'm teeing it up for you, don't worry, I see your stack of notes. (laughs) The whole thing about Scream, it's often talked about how meta it is, and it's all this big... um, commentary on slasher films and horror movies and horror conventions and stuff and in the first movie in particular i think it works extremely well because not only is it commenting on all those things it's not really making fun of them it's saying what they are but then rather than and people always talk about how oh it subverts the genre i'm like well actually why i think it works is that it doesn't subvert the genre it is self-aware it explains the rules of the genre and how stupid it is that characters do things in horror movies but it doesn't lose sight of the fact that it is still a horror movie so those rules still apply and that's what i think is so clever about it is that they introduce the rules they introduce and comment on horror movie tropes but they still go through with those tropes because it's still a horror movie but they still break some of the rules. Do they? Yeah. I guess we're going to get to it here in a second. Yeah. Um, well, 
I, I liked what you said when we were watching it that this is the first slasher series where horror, where other slasher movies exist. These characters have seen other slasher movies. They're yeah. aware they exist, and like the other howling. other slasher movies hadn't done that really yeah. at the time. It's like how in the Howling, people know what a werewolf is. I did. I did. We do the Howling. We did do the, the Howling. Podcast? Yeah, you don't remember any of these episodes we've done. You should listen to our podcast. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, but the whole one of the things I like about the Howling is that like usually in a, in a lot of a lot of horror movies, it's like oh, this, these people are rising from the grave and biting people. That's what is that? It's a fucking zombie. You know what that is. You've seen fucking movies. So according to Randy, the rules of a slasher movie are... The rules are for surviving a horror movie. No sex. In the, the champagne virgin, room. Virgin always survives. They do subvert that one. No, yes. Because Sydney because gives Sydney, it up. Because Sydney, for some reason... Because that's what her boyfriend wants her to do. That's like the one time <laughs> in the entire franchise where Sydney isn't just like super strong and confident and kick-ass. She's like, I guess I'll have sex with my greasy, shitty boyfriend, who's probably a murderer. No drinking or drugs, which everyone does in this Sydney movie. Sydney doesn't. Well, I mean, they all like Randy drinks and he survives. Okay, fine. Um, no saying I'll be right back because you won't be back. Yeah, it becomes too much of a running gag where they. Keep, I love it. It's good in this movie, but like throughout the rest of the sequels, they go back to I'll be right back so many times, and so often those characters don't die. But in Scream 4, it made me laugh really hard, and we'll get to that. That was the cop, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that part is pretty funny. Um, yeah. Rule number four, everyone is a suspect. And in this one, they do a pretty good... You know what? This one wasn't so obsessed with making you think everyone could be a suspect. There's, like, a handful of people that they suggest it might be, but they don't make every single... Like, in the rest of the one, I feel like they go out of their way to really make it... Like, it seem like it could be anyone. I felt like they did in this one, too. It's where, not as blatant, though. Where, um... It was. I thought it was really smart how they had Billy arrested. F- yeah. For it, and then uh, then let go. But and then her dad never gets even, found. Even the sheriff showing him smoking and putting the cigarette out. Mm-hmm. His boots are the same as the killer's. So they. I think yeah. they really do. I just feel like it's not forced <laughs> in this one. This one, Sorry. it feels the people who it seems like it could be. It makes sense and it's organic. And in some of the sequels, they are a little bit less organic. They feel a little bit more set up. Um, no asking who's there. And. No investigating a strange noise outside. Yeah. Ever. Those are all pretty good rules in life, I think, too. No sex, no drinking <laughs> or drugs, no saying I'll be right back. Everyone is a suspect. For what? Well, if I die, mostly you would be a suspect. No, it's jury always would the husband. <laughs> they would listen to this podcast and be like, I can't believe he didn't kill her sooner. <laughs> Let's give that boy a medal. Okay. So those are the rules to surviving a horror movie. So anyway, at this party, um, Sydney, <coughs> for no fucking stupid, for some stupid reason, um, sorry, bones Billy. Because like that's asshole. what her boyfriend wants. And then the killer shows up and kills Billy, and you're like, oh man, I can't believe that they killed Billy. And Sydney runs away to go and get help from Kenny. Now Kenny is Gail Weathers, who is Courtney Cox's cameraman, and uh, I quite He's liked good. Kenny. Yeah. I enjoyed Kenny. I was sorry to see Kenny go, but Kenny dies. Uh, he gets murdered. So Gail and Dewey uh, were off taking a walk, doing their walk on the perimeter and canoodling. And they come back and they're like, hey, what's going on? Hey, look, look at that. There's uh, there's Neil Prescott's car. That's crazy. I thought he was gone. Oh, no. Uh, our buddy's dead. Kenny. Oh, my God. They killed Kenny. <laughs> you bastard. Did you just do I, that? I can't believe we didn't think of that while we were watching it. That's but, yeah, oh, funny. my God. That's funny. So, <coughs> anyway, um, pardon me. Yeah, they try to escape in the van, but then they crash off the road, uh, and um, 
Gail looks like she dies because she Dewey gets, isn't crashes. with her. And it's because Dewey got stabbed in the back while he was investigating the house. Uh, so, but Sydney takes his gun, and then Stu and Randy appear and accuse each other of being the killer. He's like, "No, Sid, listen to me. It's me." And and Billy's just, and Randy's like, "No, what are you talking about? It's me, the nerd guy. I wouldn't. I I I didn't. I didn't kill anybody. I, I watch movies." And Stu's just like, "Hey, I'm Stu, and I'm not a murderer." Kind of like that. Uh, and then um, Billy shows up. He's like, "Oh, I'm okay. I'm alive, Stu, Sid." And she gives Billy the gun because she's a fucking idiot. And then he lets Randy into the house and shoots him. And Billy's just like, "Oh, corn syrup." No, he says a good line there. He says, what does he say? Because um, Randy says, Stu's out there, he's gone mad, man. And then... Oh, right. And then Billy says, we all go a little mad sometimes. Yeah, so they they really they lean back into the uh, the whole psycho situation of it all. And then we get the whole plan. Billy is the killer, Stu is his accomplice. They, they had a plan to kill Sydney, frame the murder spree on her father, who they have taken hostage. Uh, and it also revealed that they, not Cotton, murdered Maureen, Sydney's mother. So Sydney fingered the wrong man, and Cotton Weary is innocent. Because Maureen was having an affair with Billy's father, which made his mo- Billy's mother leave. Oh, man. Uh, but then Gail wasn't dead in the crash. She shows up. Sydney and Gail turn the tables on the killers. They kill Stu. Uh, Randy is wounded but still alive. Um, Billy attacks Sydney, but she shoots him in the head. And then there's that great, like, oh, they, uh, Stu goes, there's always the moment where the killer comes back for one last scare. And then he does, and she shoots him in the head. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. And she says, not in my movie. No, she crazy. says that in the fourth one. No, she says that. In this one? Yeah. But he does come back for one last scare. Yeah, and then she shoots him and says, oh, not, not in my, my movie. movie. Right, 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 right. Sorry. And yeah, so everyone's good. Gail makes an impromptu news report about the night's events. And uh, they all lived happily ever after for less than six months. <laughs> So this whole last scene, the party scene, as dubbed, is 42 minutes long. Yep. Um, it was shot over 21 days. These shot at night, so from from the time the sun set to the time the sun rose. And the, the, a lot of the cast called this the longest night in horror history. And after they wrapped, they all got t-shirts made that said, I survived scene 118, which is the number of the scene, which I thought was funny. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, you missed it, but when when they are, that whole last scene when they are um, revealing to Sydney their whole plan, they are starting to stab each other. Yeah. Um, He's really fucking deep, man. Yeah. I'm like fucking giant here. <laughs> and then when when <coughs> Sydney when she gets away, she calls them and she she's talking to them oh, yeah. on the phone. That's a good scene. And Stu gets on the phone with her and says, "Did you really call the police?" And she says. You bet your motherfucking ass I did. Or something like that. Yeah. And he says, my mom and dad are going to be so bad at me. Which he ad-libbed and Wes Craven thought very funny that line. was his favorite line in the whole movie. And he left it in. It's it's up there for me. It's My favorite line is definitely Dewey saying hello on the phone. <laughs> That's the funniest look of the movie. But also in that when when um, Billy passes the phone to Stu and he hits him in the head. Mm-hmm. That was an accident. They were so covered in blood. Oh, fake slipped? blood. It slipped out of his hand. Corn smashed syrup. Stu in the head. And he says, don't fucking dick, you hit me with the phone. <laughs> Corn syrup. Same stuff they use for pig's blood and carry. Which is funny. Um, so if it sounded like <coughs> I don't like this movie, it's because I like this movie a ton. It's just Nicole likes this movie so much that it sounds like I hate this movie. Because I'm not <laughs> quite as enthusiastic as she is. But I think this is a really, really good movie. Uh... Yes. Do you have anything else you want to mention about Scream 1? Because we keep in mind we have three more movies to get through. Yes, I do have a lot to say. Um, so the high school 
that they were going to shoot at was supposed to be the Santa Rosa High School in California. Um, they had agreed to shoot there. Everything was in place. And then the school district got a hold of the script hmm. and didn't want it there anymore. So they you had, can't kill the fawns in our school. They had, like, lobbyists. They had a whole town meeting where, peop- like, thousands of people showed up and all spoke at it, not wanting this movie shot there. And... Um, so they ended wow. up having to shoot at a high school in Hallsburg, California. And it's funny, Wes Craven, at the end credits of the movie, under special thanks in bold big letters in, in the credits, wrote, No thanks whatsoever to the Santa Rosa City School District Governing Board. <laughs> yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> and another interesting thing, um, after this movie, so Color ID existed at the time, but... After this movie, color idea increased threefold after mm. the movie was released. Wow. Um, and a little, like... So they have a lot of other horror movie nods in oh, this yeah, movie. Lots. So in the beginning, when Casey's parents come home and find her, and the dad says to the mom, go to the Mackenzie's, it's the same thing that Lori oh, yeah. says in Halloween to Lindsay and Tommy, the kids yeah. she's babysitting. She tells them to go to the McKenzie's. Well, and some of the characters' names, too. Like, yeah. Like um, Billy Loomis. Like, Loomis is the doctor from Halloween as well. Um, this movie was sent to the MPAA. Do you know what MPAA stands for? Motion Picture Association of America. The people who give the ratings. Over nine times to try to reduce the rating from NC-17 to an R. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Weinstein, who produced it, had to step in and told them to view it as a comedy, not a horror movie, to get the R rating. So yeah. it, when I was watching the documentary on this, um, part of the reason they had issue with this was because they were high school students. They didn't like the depiction of violence against children, is what they called them. And even though no one in this movie looks kind of like a child. Um, and the part of the... So the, in the scene when Stu and Billy are stabbing each other, mm-hmm. in the original cut, um, it shows Stu's hand and blood is dripping off of his hand, like pooling on mm. the floor. They didn't want any moving blood to show. Mm. So they, they showed how they the had to The things that the MPAA back. makes you cut are so fucking weird. So the special effects used 50 gallons of blood... In Corn this syrup. movie. Same stuff they use for the big yes. blood in Carrie. Um, Courtney Cox had to fight for the role. She really wanted to play a bitch because she was known as the nice girl on Friends. I like her on Friends, too. <laughs> um, in, the, in this movie, at the whole party scene, they're watching Halloween from yeah. 1978. In Halloween H20... Which is a terrible movie. The teenagers are watching Scream 2. That's funny. Which is a nice nod. Um, I have a whole thing about the mask and stuff, but I think I've skipped that. Um, it's the only slasher franchise directed entirely by the same director. Um, oh, yeah. That's cool. Oh, there's a funny clueless nod in this. Uh, in the last scene, Stu says, as if, to Randy. And Randy says, okay, Alicia. From Clueless, yeah. Yeah. I like that movie. Um, the Sheriff, who is played by Joseph Whip, also played a police officer in Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Um, in the beginning scene, when Drew Barrymore... So she's on the phone and she's making... Jiffy Pop popcorn on yeah. the stove. Um, the popcorn acts like a clock. So as the scene and everything around her gets more and more out of hand, so does the Jiffy Pop popcorn. Oh, so it intensifies with the... Yeah. That's, that's good sound clock. design. That's yeah. Cool. Um, when Tatum goes into the garage... I forgot to mention how Tatum gets killed. She goes oh, into the garage yeah. and then she, cries, she gets chased by the bad guy and she crawls into a doggy door in the garage door and the killer lifts up the garage door and she gets like squished by the garage door going up. And every time I watch this movie, I go, that's not how fucking garage doors work. That, 
If you even, like, if I even nudge my garage door <laughs> while it's going up and down, it stops and goes back up. It's really annoying. Um, who, sorry, what's her name? The actress? Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. Yeah, She's good in this movie, too, yeah. She could actually fit through that doggy door, and she had to get her clothes nailed into it in order to get oh. lifted up in it. Um, but when she's going out to the garage, Drop Dead Gorgeous is playing by Republica, okay. um, foreshadowing oh, her death. So she dies. Yeah. Oh, that's fair enough. Um, Kevin Williamson wrote this and was inspired by the real life Gainesville Ripper in Florida from 1990. Yeah. Um, though in one of the opening scenes, it just has Randy and all the friends around mm-hmm. a water fountain. And Randy is chewing his food the same way Norman Bates chews his food in Psycho. I believe you. I just don't remember how Norman Bates chews his food like, in Psycho. Like, kind of open mouth, like, popping candy in his oh, mouth, okay. sort of. Um, I'm really intrigued by the knife he uses. I think it looks really cool. It's a very cool-looking knife. It was actually a Buck 120 hunting knife that has since been discontinued. Now, let me tell you this, people. Speaking of somebody who knows a thing or two about hunting knives, because of my job... Uh, there's a saying, the bigger the knife, the bigger the rookie, or the bigger the fucking idiot. So if you see a person with a giant fucking knife like the Scream Guy for hunting, that guy's a fucking moron. You have a, t- you don't need a giant goddamn machete for, that's just stupid, and you're stupid for having it. Bad Scream Killer, unless you're trying to murder teenagers, then it's fine. So, part of, like, watching this now, in the whole, like, era of Me Too has happened, hashtag Me Too has happened, yeah. um... And Rose McGowan, this was her first movie with Miramax. It's where she met Harvey Weinstein Weinstein and the Weinstein brothers. And it kind of, it made me a little bit uncomfortable watching it, knowing what was going to... Wait till you get to to Scream 3! Knowing what was going to happen to To her. To her, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and Rose McGowan, from what I read, was the the forefront of all of that. She's the first... Oh yeah, and she was raped by Harvey Weinstein. She was the first to come out against Harvey Weinstein, and everyone else followed after her. So she's just amazing and I just like it was it was heartbreaking to kind of watch yeah. this and in, even now she talks about how filming screen was one of the highlight like the best time she ever had and it was before all that stuff yeah, happened to her yeah and she died there in is the movie. a funny thing about that scene about the garage her nipples are like pointing like are, me and you commented on how pointy her nipples they are fucked up so Everyone said it was super cold when they were filming. She didn't realize it was like that till she saw it. And she had she had people asking her if she was wearing like some sort of chest implant. Honestly, to make like it. you're looking at it like, why <laughs> are your nipples doing that? That's so weird. It, it was so cold the I whole believe time it. they were filming, and it, she just thought she's like, does that thing does that even exist? A whole like chest. Did you guys have a, what nipples? did you guys call that when you can see people's nipples in high school? H and S, hard nipple said syndrome. Pokies. H&S. Oh, we got pokies going on over here. Girls would say H&S to each other to let each other know that they have hard nipple syndrome. Yeah. We would be like, yo, 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 we got pokies in the hallway. Go, 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 the pokies. Gross. Yeah. Boys are gross, and they just want sex. Billy Loomis is bad. Okay, we still got three movies to go. Anyway, thank you for letting me spew. I feel like Scream 1 has the probably the most. most. Yes. Okay. Um, now, <laughs> we both agree Scream 1 is fantastic. I imagine you'd call it a five-star masterpiece, right? Yes. I think I went... Four and a half. I, I like it a lot. I think it's really great. I didn't know we still rated movies that way. I we do. haven't done it in a long time. I do. But we okay. haven't done it on the podcast in a long time. <sighs> well, we're doing it today. Scream 2. Uh, a year later. So they were just like, shit, this movie made a billion fucking dollars. Go, go, go. Let's do another one. So they did. This time, they're in college. 
And at the beginning of the movie, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Epps are at a movie screening of a preview of the movie Stab, which is a film based on Scream, uh, based on the book, The Woodsboro Killings, whatever it's called, that Gail Weathers, Gail Weathers? Weathers. Gail Weathers wrote. And uh, Phil goes to the bathroom and gets stabbed in the ear with a knife. Now, this is the part, like, I know there was parts in Scream 1 where this happened, but, like, this was the one where, like, the parodies in the scary movie franchise stuck in my mind almost more than the actual movies did. Because in yeah. Scream 2, I think it's Scream 2, I mean, Scary Movie 2, when Damon Wayans, I think it's Damon Wayans, uh, in the movie, Omar Epps gets, listens through a little peephole and gets a knife through the head and dies, yeah. which is cool kill. But in Scary Movie, it's a penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, a penis goes through his head and it's funny. Uh, and then back in the theater, all these kids are, you know, youths. They're hooting and hollering, dressing up as the killer. And then the real killer sits down beside um, Jada Pinkett Smith, who thinks it's her boyfriend. He then stabs her and everyone doesn't get that she's actually dying until she fucking really dies up on the stage in front of the screen. And you're like, oh shit. I, it's a really great set piece. My first ob- observation about Scream 2, and I know you and I are going to disagree about this, is that Scream 1 is a masterpiece. It's way better written. It's way better paced. It's way more original and creative. Yes. Scream Two lacks a lot of the cleverness of Scream One, but what it lacks in cleverness, it makes up for in production value. So, the all this the murder set pieces in Two, I think, are way cooler than they are in, in One. I, I think disagree. the staging and the and the the filming of them is so good. That whole opening sequence, the way it's shot, like the the cleverness of the kills is for me is way better in Scream Two. See, I find Scream Two. I'm, you're going to find this out that Scream 2 is one of my least favorite of the movies. I think it's all very forgettable. I, yeah, I don't agree, but uh, I, I, it's not as good as Scream 1, but I so, think it's very good. So she dies, and then and then the title card, Scream 2, comes up. The first one is the only one that has Scream, the At title, the yeah. come up before the first kill. All Usually the have other, the cold open. All the others have the opening, the first kill, mm-hmm. and then the title card comes up. So then the next day... <coughs> reporters show up at Sydney Prescott's um, school and they're like, whoa, hey, you know, murders, right? And uh, Sydney has replaced Tatum. She has a new best friend. Her name is Hallie. She's possibly the least memorable character in the entire Scream franchise. You liked her. I liked her too, but I'm just you like... You were like, she's funny. I wish she was in it more. I know, but I realized, like, but, like after the movie's over, I'm like, I always forget that she... Ex- like, she... I don't remember her whenever I think of the Scream movies until I'm watching them and I'm like, oh yeah, I like her. I think that's because Tatum was so good Tatum as the best good. friend. And the sidekick in 3 is also pretty great. Uh, and then also she has a new boyfriend who's played by Jerry O'Connell. And this is like the one time where Jerry O'Connell just plays like a nice, normal, sweet, good fella. Like, like a, a big douche. meathead football player. but Because usually Jerry O'Connell plays like a fucking idiot. Or a bad guy. Yeah. Um... So he was actually scripted to be the original killer. This script leaked on the internet. And internet. Wes Craven in the documentary is like, you can tell he's still raw about it. about it. He's like, whoever did that, you fucked up three months of shooting for us. Like, yeah. he was pissed. I will say, though, that the ending that they end up going with is way fucking better. Like, having the boyfriend do it do again it is again. stupid. We'll get to that. I guess it would be like people wouldn't expect it's the boyfriend in, but yeah. It's just, I like the, I'm one of the, maybe the only people who really likes the solution to this movie. Uh, and then also we still have Randy, who's still there, he's alive, and uh, Derek's best friend is, is uh, Mickey Altieri, played by a young Timothy Olyphantastic. I've always loved Timothy Olyphant. Me too. He's awesome. I like him in this movie. He's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino-esque film school guy who's kind of like Jamie Kennedy, but a bit more dickish. Uh... 
Nor people show up at the school, including Dewey and Gail. And uh, also Cotton Weary is there, Liev Schreiber, because she's all like... Uh, Courtney Cox is trying to get Nev Campbell to meet with Cotton Weary. As Cotton is now trying to get some famous after being exonerated for the murder of Sydney's mother. He's trying to get like a I career really out of it. I really liked how they brought oh, so good. Cotton back because in the first one he's kind of like a throwaway yeah. character. They just needed him to be the red herring. Yep. But to have him brought back again, his character developed more. And, and he's cool. And he... He's really good, and and again, he's another yeah. suspect again. Yeah, he's kind of a douchebag, but he's like a funny douchebag. Well, I really like him. It, when I, I was love when I was researching this one, um, so the first one, the first scream is the commentary on <coughs> horror movies and and all that. This one is more of a commentary and um, it's taking us through our celebrity obsessed culture. So in yeah. it, Cotton wants it. Gail has it, and Sydney doesn't want it. Oh, that's interesting. I think that's a less interesting backdrop from one, yeah, and it's also, it I think, a lot... They do very little with it, but that's cool that they were thinking of something. Um, so then they go to a party at a sorority house where Ghostface murders Sarah Michelle Geller. So that's right, Sarah Michelle Geller was in this movie. And yeah, they really murdered. wanted her in it. They, like, She's flew great. her out. They had to work around her schedule. She was good in it. Yeah. As CC. CC. And then she and then Ghostface attacks Sydney. Derek saves the day. Ghostface injures Derek, but escapes when the police arrive. Um, later, they realize that Cece's real name is Casey, and Gail figures out that Ghostface is targeting students with the same names as the Woodsboro murder victims. Gail's so smart. Gail's I think Gail's smart. like probably my favorite character in these movies. Uh, well, she's my second favorite, but... Randy's soon, your favorite? Randy's my favorite, but that won't matter soon. <laughs> so, basically, this at this point in the movie, like, Gail, Dewey, and Randy are, like, sitting there, like, the Scooby gang, trying to, like, and they're talking about how to solve the mystery when Ghostface calls Randy, saying that he's watched them. So, Gail and Dewey run off to search for him while Randy keeps them talking. This is a bad idea, because it's the cell phone, they all could have gone together. And so, while Gail and Dewey are looking around the canvas... Ghostface drags Randy into the van and brutally kills him. And I'm like, fuck. There goes the best character. Anyway, Dewey and Gale review the tape of Ghostface killing Randy. And the killer attacks them, stabbing Dewey while Gale escapes. This is my favorite scene in the entire movie. It's when they're like... It's in this whole chase scene in the sound... Like in the production area of the university. It's such a great set piece. It's so well done. It's one of the See, only things in the entire like Scream so franchise much. that I actually think is tense. Like, I don't find anything in Scream tense at all, except for this sequence where she's in the booth and he can't get in because she's kind of locked him out, but we know Dewey's out there bleeding to death and she can't get to Dewey, and it's so fucking cool how it's shot. And, it's and like, it's a soundproof booth, so she can't hear what's happening behind her while Dewey is fighting the ghost fate. That's great. It's so good. It was okay. I will say this. It is my favorite, like, five-minute stretch in all four of these movies. Really? It's the best part of the whole franchise. I thought that Stu's house in the first was my favorite set piece. It's too long to even be a set piece, though. That's like 40 minutes of the movie. But it's still a set. No, that's not what set piece means. Well, it's my favorite. <laughs> it's fine. Like, I'm just saying, like, this is like a five-minute scene, a sequence, like this little bit. Okay. There's like, there's like 13 set pieces in the party. Yeah, I just, I just like the house. Okay. We're not talking about, like, locations. No, it's still a set. I, yes, but that's not... Uh, never mind. Anyway... Um, the so some officers drive Sydney and Hallie to a police station where Ghostface murders them. 
Uh, and then Ghostface gets knocked unconscious, which is a cool scene. So, like, Sydney and Hallie are stuck in the back of this car. Ghostface is in the front. He's unconscious. They can't get out because it's the back of a police car. And they have to, like, crawl out of the back seat of the car over Ghostface and out of the yeah, car. You know what? That that's the other, that's another tense that part. That's actually tense. a really good scene, too. It was good. I really, that's just what I mean. There's so many, like, great sequences in this movie that I'm just like, oh, fuck, that's rad. Uh, anyway... Sydney goes back to try and take off his mask, and then he's gone. I'm just like, well, you know, I guess maybe done it on the way out. When they were shooting this scene, Nev Campbell and whoever plays her Girl friend, face. oh yeah, Hallie, um, Elise Neal. Yeah, they couldn't stop laughing. Like they kept every Fucking time they look each other, and it was getting later and oh, later God. and later till finally Wes Craven went over and was like, "Girls, not girl, probably, I don't know what he's saying." He's like, "You have, please stop laughing. We did, we're almost ready to go home. Like we just want to yeah. go home." Back on campus, Sydney finds Derek in, the, in an auditorium tied to a cross. So in this movie, also Sydney's like in a play, right. and there's this whole set on this the stage. Is cool. This I is like very the cool. Whole yeah. uh, tied to a cross, Sydney tries to untie him. Ghostface arrives, and the killer takes off his mask to reveal all fantastic who kills Derek. And all fantastic discusses his plan to become famous in the ensuing trial and media spectacle. And then he dis- announces that he had a partner. Who is a reporter who we saw earlier in the movie, Larry Metcalf, who's kind of been like talking to Gail Weathers and being like really inspired by her. Um, she reveals herself. Um, hang on, let me make sure I get this in the right order. So, Debbie shows up holding Gail at gunpoint. Sydney recognizes this woman, Debbie, who as Billy Loomis's mother, who's seeking revenge for her son's death. So this movie is. Other than the first one, the one where I'm like, yes, the killer actually really makes sense to me in this movie. I like that it's a nod to the first Friday the 13th. Yeah. But, but it's also, she has a motivation. Like, she hates Sydney because Sydney's mom is the one who fucked her husband. I didn't really She hates Sydney because Sydney murdered her son. I didn't think she was in it enough to make it mean mm. anything. That's interesting. I, I don't know that I agree, but uh, I really I thought she was great, and I also liked her whole explanation of how like she found um, Mickey on these like serial killer message boards, found this guy who wanted to be famous and was crazy enough that she could get him to go along. She then murders, she kills him, um, which is pretty cool. But Mickey also accidentally shoots Gail, who falls off the stage, and you go, "Oh no, Gail's dead!" So then Sydney and Mrs. Loomis fight for a while until Cotton shows up. And eventually shoots Mrs. Loomis in the chest. And then as they debate whether or not she's really dead, Gail is still alive. And they're like, oh, that's great. And then Mickey jumps up, and Sydney and Gail both shoot him. And then Sydney goes over and shoots Mrs. Loomis in the head just in case, which I thought was cute. I, I will say, her, Mrs. Loomis, who, who played her? Uh, Lori Metcalf. She's great. She, in this last scene, was great. She yeah. played, her eyes are crazy wide the whole yeah. time. I thought she was excellent. She was really good. Did, we, did you always say Mrs. Loomis is a... From, yeah, I said it in the first movie. Okay, Billy Loomis. So. so, and then the next day, oh, it also turns out that um, uh, Dewey wasn't dead after all, and Gail decides <laughs> to go with him in the ambulance, and it's really quite sweet. I like that because in the first one at the end it shows Dewey getting into going into the back of the ambulance and she's still doing her job. Yeah. She's still reporting. And this one she leaves what she her job to go and follow go Dewey with Dewey. Uh, and then um, Sydney tells the press, "Hey, talk to Cotton because he's the one who's the real hero." So she gives him the fame he wanted and removes the attention from herself and she leaves the campus. Now, you have you as you have said, is this is your least favorite screen movie? I I okay. It's my second least favorite. Oh, okay. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. So I think that the it goes in order of my notes. I think like I have the most written on Scream, 
and this is the, the second least yeah. I have written okay. on this one. Um, I just think that it was a bit darker um, than the first one. The first one had this like kind of more fun feel mm-hmm. to it. I loved the commentary on horror movies, and I loved the cast a little bit better than I like. Her boyfriend isn't very memorable. Even Timothy Oliphant, I didn't remember was in it until I rewatched it. I always for- I forgot that it was Timothy Oliphant, but I remember I'm like, oh, that's right, yeah, it's so all her, fantastic. Her Nev Campbell's supporting friend group or Sydney's they are less memorable. Are less memorable. But I think that's partially okay because this is where Gail and Dewey start to become more and more central characters, which leads into three where I they are love, the main characters. I did love Gail and Dewey in yeah. this one, and rewatching it, I liked it better than I remember liking it. Mm-hmm. It just didn't do it for so me. So this is my second favorite Scream movie, by far. Like, I think Scream 1 is brilliant, and I think Scream 2 is really good. I think that Scream <laughs> 2 is not as clever as the first one, uh, and it's also a little bit too long, because it drags a little bit in the middle. Not as much for me as it did for you, uh, but um, I think that the balance is still there of scary and, and funny. Yeah. It's still, because they mess up that balance here pretty quick, and uh, I, I like the solution. I like the murderers in this one. I think it's actually... I mean, the idea of finding one on a serial killer message board is a little hokey, but whatever. I, I like the idea of her finding a patsy. Probably Like, I bet that shit exists. Yeah, probably. But uh, I, I like the killers. I like all the set pieces. I like how Dewey and Gale become bigger characters. The fact that the supporting cast is less memorable isn't that big of a deal to me because the major characters are. And, and uh, I was so sad when I first watched yeah. this. When Randy dies... I think that was a mistake. We are not alone in thinking this... Everyone was so sad about they Randy's death. Um, he does kind of come back in the third, which we'll get kind to. Of. Um, sorry, who plays Randy? Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy has a really funny story about after his death scene, he is on campus. There, he's there. He was goes to shower off all the fake blood, and after he gets out, that there's no one there. Like, everyone had left, everyone had gone home, and he's the only person there walking around a towel, and he said it was the only moment where he actually felt freaked out. He's like, I'm, I'm going to be a cliche, I'm going to die on this horror movie set. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll get into that. Um, go ahead, tell us some more fun facts, and then we'll move on to Scream 3. Um, oh, uh, let's do your rating then. What's your rating on Scream 2? I want to know. Three. Three? Yeah. I went, uh, I think I went three and three quarters. You can't do that on, on this software oh. I use, but like, if I was actually to do it, I would say three. If I did four and a half for Scream One, then Scream Two, I would go three and three quarters. So this was the script where, um, after it leaked and they had to do rewrites, um, the ending was held from everybody, and only certain people knew um, what was going to go on. So it wasn't revealed until they showed up on set for the, to shoot the last scene. Um, so, because of Wes Craven's experience with going through the MP, is it MPAA? Motion Picture Association yeah, of America. Um, last time, he was like, okay, I'm going to make this one. And this is something I noticed after watching those documentaries, is in this one, there's moving blood. So, yeah, this one's way gorier. You see blood pouring yeah. out of them. This one's a lot gorier. And I thought, well, that's what they didn't want. So, he made it he on purpose made it more gory so that he could pull back to what he wanted the yep. movie to be um when he thought for sure they'd try to do the nc-17 thing again but on their initial viewing they liked it they got the r rating <laughs> flat out so it's way gorier because than- they and it's more gory and they said they give it the r rating because they thought that 
um, they were being responsible by showing the actual effects of violence. <laughs> yeah. The so, so the first stupid. time they're like, no, it's violence against children. And this time well, they're now like, they're adults, now though. they're being, now they're college, college. students. Yeah. Fine. Goddamn college kids. But That's now actually pretty funny. Being That's a very common thing you hear about is people putting like way more stuff than they want into their movies so that they can cut back to what funny. they actually want. Like the, you know, the puppet sex scene in, um, yes. in America, there's a bunch of goofy <laughs> shit in the unrated version that they put in specifically so that they could take it out when the MPAA objected. I think that's funny that, that he did that and they still got the R rating. Yeah, so funny. it is a lot gorier than the other ones. And now we should play the trailer because we didn't do that. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. We forgot. Oh yeah. All right. Fine. We'll play the trailer. And then we'll get it. You want to? How you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna play the trailer for Scream Two and Scream Three back to back. Sounds good. Hello. Hello, Sydney. Remember me? What do you want? It's time, girlfriend. Don't you know history repeats itself? <laughs> night, two college students were brutally murdered. Police are everywhere. The girl was stabbed seven times. Ouch. Hi, Gail Weathers, author of the Woodsboro Murders. She's an opportunist. Be kind, she saved our lives. Yeah, I know. I read all about it in the book. I can't wait to see the movie. supposed to do if there is some freaked out psycho they're probably already in your life okay, so you just want to sit here and, and wait to see who drops next the way i see it someone's out to make a sequel so it's our job to observe the rules of the sequel number one the body count is always bigger number two the death scenes are always much more elaborate how do we find the killer randy that's what i want to know well let's look at the suspects interrupting anything am i it's him he can see us do you want to die tonight is that the best you can do why not set your goals higher huh you want to be one of the big boys manson bundy oj favorite scary movie showgirls absolutely frightening Crisis counseling. My name is Laura. How can I help oh, you? Laura, I do have a crisis. I've killed someone, Laura. Are you listening to me? Huh? Who is this? Just one question. Do you think it's over, Sydney? Do you? Whoever it is, is now taking credit for Marine Prescott's murder. But we know who killed Maureen Prescott. Billy Lewis and Stu Mucker. I mean, they even told Sydney how they did it. Maybe there is a third killer. Guys, this was about cotton. We are not in any danger. We are not in any danger, says Candy, page 15. Who the fuck 
is this? Somebody who'd kill to know where Sidney Prescott is. What do you know about trilogies? Well, all I know about movie films is that when you get one, all bets are off. Do you want to have this conversation with a polygraph? Is that a threat, detective? It's a threat. You'll know it. Was that a threat? Here's how I see it. I've got no house, no bodyguard, no movie, and I'm being stalked. Because someone wants to kill me? No, because someone wants to kill you. So now, starting now, I go where you go. That way, if someone wants to kill me, I'll be with you. And since they really want to kill you, they won't kill me. They'll kill you. Make sense? None. You are dealing with the concluding chapter of a trilogy. One, you gotta kill her who's gonna be superhuman. Number two, anyone including the main character can die. This means you sit. Gail, Dewey, whoever, um, call me back. I can only hear myself. I only hear you too, Sydney. I am not dreaming. I am not crazy. He was there in Woodsboro. It's not Woodsboro, Sydney. Looks like Stab 3 is back in production. You gotta be praying this movie keeps going. All right, Scream 3, the f only one of the franchise not written by Kevin Williamson. He was busy making I Know What You Did last summer or something, so they got a treatment from him, and then they hired Aaron Kruger to write this movie. Now, Aaron Kruger, if you're not familiar with him, is a, um, a pretty bad writer. Uh, he's written such films as uh, Scream 3, Dracula 2000, I guess he was uncredited to rewrites on that, he wrote Reindeer Games. He wrote the screenplay for The American The Ring. Uh, he wrote the screenplay for The Ring 2, which is the fucking funniest movie ever. He wrote The Skeleton Key, which I don't hate. I like The Skeleton Key. He wrote Brothers Grimm, so he has the credit. He, he's the writer of the worst Terry Gilliam movie. He wrote one of the Transformers movies so with Michael it, Bay. He's in um, the documentary, and he actually says in it that he would have rather seen Williamson... Write it. So I'm like, Me that's, too. That's not really reassuring. I know, I think I am definitely in the minority of liking this movie as better than the second one. You or are. As, as much as I do. I, I acknowledge that. But I will say this, though. I remember this movie being awful. Watching it this time, it's not awful. It's actually fine. And it's better than Scream 4. But um, the main problem I have with Scream 3 is that the balance is all off. Like, the first two were horror movies that were funny. This is a dopey Scooby-Doo comedy that has moments that aren't scary either. You love Scooby-Doo. I do. No, I know. That's why I end up liking this movie more than I thought. Because the things about it that I thought sucked, I actually don't mind. But it's a terrible Scream movie. So even even they kind of, they referred to it as a Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah. Um, it was around the time of Columbine. It was after Columbine, so there's no blood in this entire movie. So the everyone was going after yeah. everything, especially movies. Yeah. And so we went from the media. best, in my opinion, the best murder set pieces of the franchise in 2 to easily the worst in 3 because there's not a single memorable kill in this entire movie. And if you're watching a slasher movie, that's sort of 60% of the... Like, you can have a pretty mediocre movie, but as long as the... Like, the Friday the 13th movies are objectively bad movies, I think. But they're great to watch, because the kills are usually pretty fun. 
Right? But you don't watch it for the mystery. This one, you still have Dewey and Gale at oh, the Oh, you sure do. And because Nev Campbell was busy. So she's barely in this movie. This movie is like 90% Dewey and Gale, and I'm here for it. I'm fine with that. Are you here that. for her bangs? I'm not here for her bangs. <laughs> she has the worst haircut in the history of haircuts in this movie. So what's crazy is, even though we didn't mention it, in Scream 2, she has a not great color on it's her hair. Like but the cut red, is very good. The cut is fine, but it's dark It's dark and then has like dark red highlights. Red highlights it's very 1998. Highlights. But this wasn't even a phase. I don't know anyone else who had... These bangs. Right. Well, yeah, this. In two th- I'm like, what happened? Like, do, do they mention her bangs in the documentary? No, no. one. Wasted opportunity. It. Someone needs to get to the bottom of these bangs. They're really bad. She looks like Nigel Tufnell from This Is Spinal Tap. Looks like, like a weed whacker got at her bangs. I feel strong about bangs. Uh, so anyway, should I get into the plot or do you get, have more... Get into the plot. Okay, so... Okay, now this movie... I'm going to skim the plot, because this movie has the most, of all the three movies, the most complicated plot. It is, like, three times long... Like, the, the summary on Wikipedia for this movie's plot is, like, three times longer than it is for any of the other screen movies. I loved it's it. So How did, I, it's so overcomplicated. It's so good. Fuck. Okay, so Cotton Weary has a nationally syndicated television show called 100% Cotton. Now, say what you will about Aaron Kruger, that is a fucking great joke. I would watch a guy named Cotton on a show called 100% Cotton. That is brilliant. I love it. Ghostface calls him on his car phone, who asks him where Sydney is, because Sydney's gone into hiding <laughs> for the last couple years. Cotton's like, I'm not going to help you. But then uh, he's like, well, I'm going to kill your girlfriend. So Cotton runs home, and his girlfriend and him and his girlfriend are murdered. It's a scene that goes on far too long, but it's not bad. It's I think it was a mistake to kill Cotton, but it's a pretty you know cool what? intro. He was so happy to finally get yeah. a, de- a kill scene. Mm-hmm. Like he was so, ha- but then he was like, oh, "I would have maybe liked to be in the fourth. Yeah, I will just say it goes on a bit long. It takes yeah, forever. It does. I this agree. movie is only th- three minutes shorter than Scream Two. And I feel like this one feels longer than Scream 2. I disagree. The first yeah. sequence. So then we get Detective Mark Kincaid, who is um, Dr. McDreamy, Patrick Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey. So he's trying to get in touch with Gail Weathers to discuss the murders, and pro- which prompts her to travel to Hollywood, where she finds Dewey working as an advisor on the set of Stab 3, the third film based on the Ghostface murders. Uh, and so there's this voice changer this time. I love that it took place in Hollywood. Yeah. I'll just say it was. That's fine. I just thought it was so fun. My biggest problem with this movie, other than the tone, but like plot-wise, is that all the other movies he has a voice changer that's like, "Hello, Sydney." This time he has like, like this fucking thing that can imitate anybody's voice. I like the stupidest thing in the world. I, I didn't think it was stupid. I liked that it was different. Did it, it doesn't make any sense. Different. Well, it could exist. No, it couldn't. Why not? How would that exist? I could capture your voice. And make it say anything you want? Yeah. You are out of your tiny little mind. I love you, but you're nuts. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. Um, So anyway, uh, I will say... Oh yeah, so Ghostface on the set kills... I will say this. Even if you don't like Scream 3, and I actually don't mind Scream 3, but (coughs) you do get to see Jenny McCarthy brutally murdered. Yes. Fuck that bitch. Yeah. So like, if you could just put that on a loop... She forever and play it at every fucking autism benefit or goddamn anti-vax thing. Fuck her, fuck her stupid face, and just I'm so glad she died in that movie. And I wish she was dead in real life. So you can't say things like that. It's a joke. <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, that murder happens. They're all like, oh god, that's that's a bummer. Sydney is ha being haunted by this endless string of murders and is living in seclusion as a crisis counselor for abused women. Uh, and then the killer starts phoning her, forcing her out of hiding and drawing her to Hollywood. And she keeps having these dream sequences about her mom. Yeah, which doesn't work for me in the least. Why not? Because they try to make you think, like, oh, Sydney's not sure if she's going crazy or not, and does anyone think that she's still sane? Or we're just like, well, no, of course she's sane. The killer's using the voice changer thing. There's never a moment for, like, there's no suspense. It's just like, that's dumb. She's never even mentioned her mom. You don't think it would be terrifying to have, even though you know your mom is dead, to have your dead mom talking to you on the phone? No, but I also think that she's been through these murders in the past. She knows that the killer taunts people on the phone. Yeah, but she doesn't know about this new voice changer. Sure, but she also, all of a sudden now, she thinks her mom might be alive and is coming from beyond the grave to kill her. It just, it doesn't feel like a scream movie. It feels like a completely different movie. I liked it. Boring. I thought it was so scary. Okay. When I first saw this movie and I saw the dream sequence of her and the, the mom is coming towards that scared the shit out of me it was so scary you mentioned that when we were watching it and I kind of looked at you and went oh, hey man I guess Wes Craven um, was really hesitant about doing any of the dream sequences because he was scared that was going to be too close nightmare. to Nightmare yeah but it didn't even it didn't even cross my mind it didn't because the, the dream sequences in Nightmare are clever and this isn't <laughs> she's rolling her eyes so much at me right now <laughs> um <coughs> So Dewey and Gail go to the home of Jennifer Jolie, who plays Gail in the movie, and she's the sidekick in this movie, and she's the best character in this movie. Parker Posey, Parker this like Posey is the ridiculous best. actress who's playing Gail Weathers and starts to shadow Gail Weathers. She's like, because the person, the killer's gonna try and kill me, but they really want to kill you. So if I'm with you, they'll kill you, and they won't kill me. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, she's great. And her bodyguard is Patrick Warburton, and she's who's also so over funny. the top and so dramatic. I yeah. love her. So he ends up, uh, anyway, Ghostface ends up murdering um, the bodyguard and then uses a gas leak to cause an explosion which kills an actor in the process whom I don't even remember. I remember there was an actor and he died and who gives a shit? He blows up. Uh, Martha Meeks, the sister of, of Randy's sister, shows up and drops off a videotape. So Sydney basically comes out of hiding and goes to Gail and Dewey and goes like, hey, let's solve the mystery. It's the Scooby-Doo gang. And they give her, and so uh, Martha gives her a videotape that Randy made before his death, posthumously warning them that the rules of the horror film franchise in the third and final film do not apply. In the trilogy. And that, oh yeah, the main character could die. They go to this huge, big effort to make you believe that any of the main characters could die. They don't. <laughs> like, even I'm glad you said they me. don't. Oh, I, me too. I don't think they should have died. I just, they, they shouldn't have killed Randy in the second one either, and I'm still mad about it, because his this is one of the best scenes in the movie. Also earlier, there's the Jason Alabob cameo where they think that um, Gail Weathers. Why you wanted to watch yeah, it. Where they think that Gail Weathers is, um, I forget this news anchor Connie Chung, I think. Anyway, so Dewey, Gail, Jennifer, and the rest of the surviving Stab Three cast, who are Angelina and Tyson, uh, attend a birthday party for the director Roman Bridger, who's played by Lance Henriksen. No, he's not. He's the producer. The director is. Um, the fuck's his name? Son of a bitch. I'm already forgetting his name. I guess I could look at... The, I'm looking at Wikipedia now. Isn't it Lance? No, the director is the... Um, Lance Roy Hendrickson is the producer oh, right. John Milton. The director is... Um, what's his name? What's his name? Scott Foley. Right. He's a murderer. Uh, 
Yeah, and we're going to get into why, and but we're going to argue about that one, I think. Because you think it's cool. I do. <laughs> uh, so it turns out... Um, I'm going to jump through more of this, because it's so much. Uh, it turns <laughs> out that Maureen Prescott, who is um, Sydney's mom, disappeared from uh, Woodsboro for a while when she was young, before she was with Sydney's father, where she uh, tried to be an actress... And um, she did some fangs with the director, Lance, in the casting room. And some, she was like gang raped or whatever, which is awful. It's this whole really gross side plot about like it was the 70s. And Lance Henriksen was this horrible scumbag producer who would demand sexual favors and stuff. I'm just kind of like, whoa. They really glance over the whole oh, yeah, they just, rape stuff. Like, yeah, it's barely a plot and point. And I'm like... I, I, I was uncomfortable now seeing how lightly that was yeah. handled. Even if even if this wasn't a movie produced by Harvey Weinstein, this would be yeah. gross. In the context of this movie is produced by Harvey Weinstein and Lance Henriksen is playing Harvey Weinstein, it's like, Jesus Christ, this is tone deaf. And then it even had a bunch of stuff of like the actors being like, I didn't fuck Lance. Oh yeah, the girl the le- who's playing... The, the Sydney character... Played by, um, she was on 30 Rock. Yes. So the actress hired to play Sydney Prescott is like, I didn't fuck him just to get killed in his house. And she runs out and I'm like, this has so much Me Too stuff in it. Yeah, it's crazy. But though, I was... It hasn't aged well at all. It was like, wow, that's that's really weird for (laughs) where we are now. Anyway, it turns out, we're going to skip forward even further. It turns out that Roman, the director, is actually the killer... Uh, and he was planning to frame Sydney for the murders, uh, and that uh, it turns out that he's responsible for everything that's happened right from the very beginning because he is secretly Sydney's long lost brother. Because in this horrible rape thing, Sydney's mom got pregnant and she had this baby and gave him up, and he found all this stuff out. So he went back and he masterminded everything. He's the one who gave Billy and Stu the idea, he's the one who did all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay. I mean, at a certain point in this movie, in particular, you kind of have to go, okay, sure. Why not? Sydney's got a long-lost brother, okay. I yeah. liked it. Oh, Sydney, he was in charge of the whole thing. Somehow he had his mom's voice that he could use to make Sydney think she was crazy. He's going to frame Sydney and become a movie director. Okay, fine. I thought it was I great. Mean, I thought it was great that she had a brother she didn't yeah. know about. I will say this. This movie is... The first movie is very clever and very funny and scary. The second movie is not as clever, but it's still funny, and it's super well done and exciting and cool. This movie is n- tries to just be a straight-up comedy. The problem is it's not remotely funny. It's not very part. funny. It's not funny at all. No. The, the reason this movie, only reason this movie works is that you love watching Dewey and Gale so much, and they are awesome in this movie, and they are two-thirds of the movie is them and Parker Posey trying to solve the mystery, and that's great. Uh, but there's yes. no good kills in this movie because there's no violence really in the movie. Uh, you know, your mileage may vary. Nicole likes the solution in the ending and finds it sort of, like, mad fun. I find it pretty eye-rolly, but, like, you know, whatever. It's fun to watch these characters that you have come to enjoy have this adventure in I this movie. I liked the whole um, Lance's house at the end. They're in the producer's home. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It has secret passageways. Secret passageways. It's very scooby It's scooby-Doo. very fun. Yeah, so... 
I think that it's not a great Scream movie, but it's it's not as bad as I remember. It's got some fun stuff. I really... The Dewey and Gale characters are so good that they're actually pretty fun to watch. Uh, I ended up giving this movie a 3, which I was surprised by because I had it much lower originally. And I'm like, you know what? I'd watch Scream 3 again. I give it a 4. I love it. Yeah. Parker Posey is amazing. She's very good. I guess she was hesitant to be in it. She doesn't like horror movies. She doesn't like being scared. Hmm. And um, her murder scene, so she's in the secret passageways when she gets murdered. I guess they only shot it like two or three times and then she was like, I'm done. She did not feel comfortable Mm. in doing that role at all. But I guess everyone else on set says, had nothing but good things to say about Parker Posey that during the late night shoots, she would just break into a song and or something and she'd like she kept a smile on everybody's face. I love Parker Posey. Yeah. Yeah. I, love her. I think it's a fun little movie. Um, <laughs> you know. I think that it doesn't deserve the hate that it gets from Scream movie fans. And we're gonna get into what I think about like other than you major Scream fans soon. Because, oh. well, not that in particular, just, like, there's sort of, like, an agreed-upon order for the Scream movies I've discovered. What do you mean? Like, the the most of, like, the, the majority of Scream fans, or at least of horror fans that I've been in, exposed to in, in my travels, have, like, an order of which movies are best. They all okay. think Scream 1 is the best, and then their order to me is weird, and they all kind of shit on Scream 3. You, so, I did, I know I'm alone in liking this movie. You're not, because I like this movie, too. But Not as much as you, but I like it. So you think all, a lot of Scream fans like Scream... 3 the least? I think almost everybody likes Scream 3 the least. Oh. And you and I don't. You like Scream 3 the second most, which is a bit high for me. But I think it's good, and I think it is not as bad. It, I think it is not... I think there's only one bad Scream movie, and we haven't got to it yet. Well, I think <laughs> that we're even alone, because even the... I think I got... During the, watching the uh, documentaries... Um, I think I got the impression that even most of the cast and everyone involved in this movie wasn't thrilled with the yeah. direction it went. Well, because Scream 1 and 2 are clever, and this movie isn't... Wes Craven is kind of like me. He kind of just rolls with it. Like, yeah, why not? Why can't Why can't she have a long-lost brother? This one feels almost like they phoned it in. Yeah. Um, I guess it was hard filming this because everyone had such different schedules at the time. Yeah, now this... this in, this, this made me insane. I don't understand this. So, the reason that Nev Campbell's hardly in this movie is because she was very busy making other things. I'm she like, was in two other You're fucking telling projects. me. You're telling me that Courtney Cox, who is in the biggest fucking TV show in the entire goddamn world, could clear her schedule to be in Scream 3, but Nev fucking Campbell, who's been in Scream and Party of Five, and that's it was too busy to be in the fucking horror franchise that she... That this is it. This is her legacy. She has done nothing else. Name another Nev Campbell project. But she chose not to. Name another Nev Campbell project. The Craft. That's right. Okay. Only because I told you that. <laughs> I know, you've seen The, the Craft. But The Craft came out Don't. before Scream. The craft came out before Scream. Doesn't count. Yeah, I know that. I know. Oh. Okay. You I understand. Teach me anything. I understand that you are the expert strong, on the Scream movies, woman. but you need to cool it. You need anyway, to take a step back. You need to and cool literally it. fuck your own face. So I liked that they say in here that um, the, in the first two, they're certain characters are blaming the movies. They're blaming Hollywood for their actions, and in this one, it actually is Hollywood that is the culprit <coughs> in these movies. Well, that's mar- actually kind of clever. Yeah. 
especially yeah. with Lance and them all raping Sydney's Don't you mom. blame the movies? Yeah. Movies <laughs> don't create psychopaths. Movies make psychopaths more creative. I guess um, David Arquette, he says that at this time, him and Courtney were actually having marital problems, so it was easy to play the scenes where they were pissed off at each other because they were actually pissed off See, that's at each funny other. to me because I found that in this, in the beginning, like, at the beginning, they're kind of estranged. They didn't, they, after she wrote books, they kind of broke up, but I was like, I never bought for a second that they didn't still like each other so much. Mm-hmm. Even when they were supposed to be mad, I'm like, he's just being coy. He's still, like, head over heels in love. I mean, look, obviously. I mean, apart from those bangs, look at her. It was very bad. They're so cute. I do love them. They're my idea of, like, a really yeah. romantic couple. I know. Um, I, I liked also that the expectation is to always have two killers. There was a, the twist was to have just one was a good. That they should have used again. Um, I disagree. Um, <laughs> in it, um, fully, he has Lance um, tied up. Yes. And, and his arms are actually bound behind his back. And in this thing, he actually throws him to the ground. With his arms tied back? Yep. Oh, don't fuck with Lance And Anderson. And Wes Craven says they were scared to untie Lance because they thought that he was going to kill He, was gonna kill he probably was furious. Yeah, yeah, he was furious. And they left it in the movie and everything. He he just was into his role and just threw him to the ground. Um, yeah, it's that's all. Acting, I don't have a Scott. lot of notes on this, but I did have more notes on this than I did on the second one. I still like the second one. But yeah, this movie's better than I expected. Oh, I just want to go over some of the cameos oh, yeah. that were in all three of these ones. Uh, or not not in all of them together, but... Yeah, she's in, I mean. this one's in two and three, I think, right? Um, Linda Blair, who yeah. was in The Exorcist, was and in the first one. a bunch of one. movies in the 80s. She was a newscaster. Yeah. She's the one who yells at Sydney, Pe- people have a right to know what it's like. People have a right to know. And she's asking okay. what it's like to be almost brutally murdered. Um, Matthew Lillard is in Scream 2. <laughs> I guess Wes Craven just liked him a lot. He's in the background in a party scene. That's fun. Actually, Matthew Lillard was also hired and paid to come back as the killer in the third movie as well. Because you don't see his body in the first one, so they had a oh, whole thing about how he was actually Probably be because alive. they wanted, in case anything was going to leak, it might as well be that. Mm, so I don't know. Be, so yeah. he was actually paid to be in yeah. three, even though he Roger wasn't in Corman three. Roger Corman cameos in the beginning of this movie. I was very excited. He was in two. No, he's in this one. Oh he's right, in the yes, of the movie. He's, yeah. on, he's the he's our producer, right? <clears throat> and he's warning against violence, which is an inside joke because of the movies he does. Yeah, I mean, he made some really great movies that aren't necessarily all that violent, but yeah, he's brilliant. Carrie Fisher well, is in two. Oh yeah, yeah, Carrie Fisher is no, brilliant no, in two. No, so three. In three, she's yeah, in she's three. like the woman who works in the. Um, she's all the files. In the files department <laughs> at the studio, and there's a whole weird sequence about how she looks like Carrie Fisher. Yes. It's pretty funny. And of course, Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, which was then reciprocated in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where they go onto the set right, of Scream Four, I love that. where um, uh. What's her face? Uh, Shannon Doherty is chasing this ghost face who takes off the mask to reveal the monkey. And then she goes, fucking Miramax, cut! cut. Uh, really, Wes? A monkey? I mean, you guys aren't even trying anymore. People love monkeys. And then Jane saw Bob grab the monkey and say, we love this monkey! <laughs> it's great. Alright. Scream 4. Years later. It's been 11 years. So my least favorite. My least favorite! Alright. You don't like... You, you, oh, I'm so happy you agree. Uh, is it like Scream 2 like and Scream 4... Oh, that upsets me that you're they're, doing that. I think this is a bad great. movie. I think that this movie is better than I remember, but I remember hating it. And watching it this time, I'm like, okay, it's better than I remember. It's still pretty bad. I love, what's her name in it? Hayden? 
Hedden Panettiere is great I in this love movie. Her. She's really she's good. Great. Her character is cool. Unfortunately, she's the only cool character in this movie yeah. other than Gale and Dewey. And Naz uh, Campbell. So it's the 15th anniversary of the original massacre. There's a new gang of um, high school kids, Jenny Randall and Marnie Cooper. Oh, before the movie starts, there's like... F- it's okay. Scream 1 is very clever. In addition to being a good movie. Scream 2 is less clever, but it's trying. Scream 3 wasn't trying to be clever. And even when it is, it's kind of like, oh, whatever. This movie thinks it's being very clever the whole time. And I think it is... Un- I don't find it clever at all. I find it very annoying. I feel like it tries to do what one did, but not as well. Yeah, I remember when you and I saw this in the theater, the line... I was Because I'm a narcissist. I remember the line that I said to you when we were talking about it in the car, which was... I couldn't hear the dialogue over the sound of this movie fucking winking at me every two seconds. It's true. Like in, in the first movie and the second movie, and even the third movie, the, the meta stuff doesn't feel forced. At least, I mean, to varying degrees. One, it doesn't feel forced at all. One, it feels very organic and clever. Two, it's maybe a little bit less clever and a bit more forced. Three, isn't trying very hard. But this one, fuck. It really thinks it's clever. All this stuff about reboots. And it's just fucking painful to me. This is actually the not that it matters very much, but it is the lowest grossing Scream film of all of them. Still made a hundred million dollars. But yeah. Which nowadays is like nothing. It also only costs forty million to make. So there's this like there's like four false starts at the beginning of this movie, which are they're cute, I guess, but this is the beginning of this movie being too clever for me, where I'm just like, ugh, you're not clever. Like the first one it's like Another just typical scream opening, and then you're like, "Oh, it's the opening credits to a movie." Before we get into the plot, let's play the trailer. Oh fuck yeah! Good, good, good on you. Good looking out. What's your favorite scary movie? Here is my Winsboro Massacre anniversary question. What is your favorite scary movie? What's your favorite scary movie? One generation's tragedy is the next one's joke. What is your favorite scary movie, man? I'll show you. This week marks the anniversary of the infamous Woodsboro murders. Local celebrity victim, Sydney Prescott, chose to return to her hometown. Welcome home, Sydney. Watch the preview of coming events. What do you want? Who is this? He's trying to do ghost face. I'm standing. patterning his murders after the original movie. It's time for someone new to die. The unexpected is the new cliche, and virgins can die now. Does that mean that I'm not gonna live as long as these two? Clearly. To be the new version, the killer should be filming the murders. Gail! Gail behind you! Go ahead if you have the guts. Not to implicate him. You can't kill Sydney. she's victim royalty. Not true, Sid's expendable. Point taken. Guaranteed third act main cast bloodbath. Fingers crossed on some nudity for a change. Time for your last question. Name the remake of the groundbreaking... Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Hills Have Heights, Amityville Horror, Christmas House of Wax, Mom Night, My Bloody Valley. It's one of those, right? None of the above. I'll be right back. 
know this one. You're not supposed to say that, are you? You should have seen the look on your face. Okay, there. We played it. Congratulations. I will say, because I watched all the trailers for this podcast, that I liked this trailer the best. This is the most modern trailer, but I like I like older trailers. I don't the like modern trailer trailers. The first showed too much. This one shows a lot of stuff, like some of the best parts in the movie. The end of the trailer is like the cops scene. Yeah, but yeah, that's good. I like that. It is good. Though. So the movie starts with a very... You're just kind of like, this feels very similar to Scream 1. And then you realize, oh, it's Stab 5. Oh, cool. It's and then it cuts to... a movie within a movie. So then it cuts to uh, Allison... Um, no, not Allison. Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin watching a movie with very painful film student clever people dialogue about horror tropes. And then Kristen Bell stabs Anna Paquin and then you realize, oh, that's the beginning of Stab 6. <laughs> And I'm just like, okay, we're in for a long night. <laughs> um, so then, it's the anniversary of the Woodsboro Massacre, and two other high school students get murdered by a new ghost face. And I don't remember anything about them, but they died. Jenny and Marnie. Cool. The next day, Sydney returns to Woodsboro to promote her new book, because she's written this like self-help book about not being a victim. And she brought her publicist... Uh, who was played by... Um, Why is that laughable? Because that's what a lot of people do after they've been through horrible things. Just because I'm like, oh, wow, you took... Uh, I like Sydney, and now she sucks. She's like a fucking annoying self-help person. That's so not that, annoying. That's to tell your story. But she's going on, like... I don't know. I didn't like that character choice where she was... I think like, it's realistic. Dr. Phil. Maybe. I don't know. She gets better, but she brings oh, her publicist. Wait, speaking of realistic stuff, I want to say one more thing about three. Oh, okay. Um, in, was it three or two? Take your notes, man. Um, sorry, just sec. Bear with. I think it was two, her cameraman... He um, gets in a car and leaves. He does run away, yeah. Is that two or three? That is two. Yeah, it's two. It's um, two. Yes. And it was his idea. And it, he has this whole scripted other thing that happens to him. And he went and was like, to Wes Craven, and was like, I wouldn't do this in real life. Like, it, he, he was like, and Wes Craven was like, well, what would you do then? And he said, I would leave. And he said, well, how would you leave? I take a cab. And they put it in the movie. It is a great scene. <laughs> it's the most realistic yeah, thing. He just funny. fucked off out of there. Wasn't gonna die. Yeah. I just thought that was really and funny. And it reminded me of the scene in Scary Movie One, where which is a parody of after the first murders and all the car, all the news vans are on the street. Right. And in Scary Movie, it pans past all these news vans, doing their intro, and then it gets to these um, the black news anchors, and they go, "This is so and so for black TV. White folks is dead. We getting the fuck out of here!" And they all scream, "Go, go, go!" and peel out in the van. I just like that, oh, that was the only so realistic funny. thing to ever happen in any of the movies. Yeah, so he's <laughs> like, "Fuck this!" Yeah. So, um, like I said, Sydney comes back to town with her um, publicist, who is played by Alison Brie. I love Alison Brie. And I love Alison Brie. I don't in it. love her in this movie. I found her kind of one note, but whatever. Uh, evidence yes, is found note, in Sydney's rental car. Did she need car. to be more? No. 
That's what I mean. A lot of the characters in this movie are barely characters. But, yes. Uh, so Sydney becomes a suspect this time. It has to stay in town until they're solved. Sydney has a cousin named Jill who's dealing with the betrayal of her boyfriend, Trevor, who is also seems like he might be a shitty boyfriend, but not quite Billy levels. Uh, she gets a threatening phone call from Ghostface, so does her neighbor. Um, and then there, so there's the three girls, Jill, Olivia, and Kirby, which is Hayden Panettiere. Uh, Dewey questions them. He's now the sheriff, and he has a deputy named Judy Hicks, who is super thirsty for Dewey. And she keeps making him Who wouldn't squares. be thirsty for Dewey? Fair uh, enough. Dewey. It's Judy Hicks, though. She played the lifeguard in The Sandlot. Yes, I love The Sandlot as well. Uh, and Dewey and Gail are married, and she's uh, struggling with writer's block and decides to investigate the murders instead, and he's all like, no, don't do that. And she's like, fuck you, Dewey. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you, Dewey. I feel like this is something the movie was lacking. It had them separate from yeah. most of the movie. I love the Gail and Dewey team, and yeah. I think it suffered having them not be a team. Couldn't agree more. Um, so Sydney is staying with Jill and her aunt, who is uh, named Kate, who is played by the president <laughs> from Battlestar Galactica. <coughs> uh, later that night, Olivia, across the street, gets killed by Ghostface's Jill and Kirby watching horror. This is one of the scenes in the movie that I think actually works. It's so super gory. And Kirby is talking to Ghostface on the phone, and he's saying that he's hiding in the closet. Yeah, this and so then she opens the closet and says, yeah, I fucking told you. And he goes, I never said I was in your closet. And then he jumps out of the girl across the street's closet and slaughters her, and they're all like, oh shit. Which is pretty cool. Uh, the killer gets away. Um, Sydney fires Rebecca because Rebecca has this plan to use the murders as a means to increase book sales. And Sydney is all of a sudden like, no. I'm, it's not enough. I, I will not exploit these murders to sell books, even though that's what she's doing. Because she wrote this book. No, she's not. <laughs> She has integrity, Joey. Gail uh, enlists the help of two high school movie fanatics, Charlie and Robbie. One of them is is sort of like a the poor man's Randy. The other is um, a long-haired guy. He's a um, uh, McCulkin. He's, uh, he's a Culkin, yeah. Culkin. It's uh, Rory Culkin, I think. <laughs> I and liked him. I thought he was one of the better of the young cast. I agree to a point. I thought that the other kid, the one who was supposed to be the Randy, who had, who's vlogging everything, he wears these cameras everywhere he goes and streams live to the internet. I'm like, this is stupid. His kill was and good, you're though. Stupid. I liked his kill using that. It was okay. It was, yes. I remember you saying you liked it, and I was like, yeah. Because you expected him to come from behind, because the camera's accidentally pointing yeah, that's behind, true. and that's then a he's good in point. front of him. Yeah. And when things come from behind you, they tend to come from behind. <laughs> Uh, anyway, those are some of the other characters. These, other than Kirby, other than Hidden Planet Hero, these characters are so unmemorable. And uh, oh yeah, we didn't even mention Jill is played by what's her name, the girl from the third season of AHS, which I hated. She's related to Julia Roberts. Yeah, her name is Emma Roberts, and she's awful. She's not great. She's pretty bad. Yeah, she's the worst part of this movie. So they end up having a part. There's this, there's this big party, like a stabathon out in a fucking barn in the woods where they looks really fun. Yeah, they they watch all six of the stab movies, and I'm like, well, I do like movies, so I'd probably go to that. Uh, Gail goes to the party to investigate, and she puts on a scream mask, so the kids won't recognize her. But she's still dressed like Gail, and she still has her purse on. And all I could think of was the scene in Thirty Rock where Steve Buscemi goes undercover at the high school, oh, right. where he carries a skateboard and goes, "How do you do, fellow kids?" <laughs> So she she's like, by, yeah. she's even like nodding her head like a kid, like yeah, yeah I'm it was, cool. It was pretty funny, but not in a good way. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Ghostface shows up, 
at the house where um, at Jill's house uh, Sydney discovers the policemen assigned to guard the house are dead. So there's this scene with the two cops, which is Adam Brody and the other cop. I often forget Who's this actor's name. He's in Scary name. Movie. He is, that's right. And he's great. Is he in the first? I think he's in Scary Movie 3 and 4. You know, I have, it's been so long since I've seen any of the Scary it's Movies. It's Anthony Anderson, who I like. And you know what his character's name is? Anthony Perkins. Who played... The actor Anthony Perkins played Norman Bates. Oh. That's fun. And uh, also, there's a character named Marnie Cooper, and Marnie is a character from a Alfred Hitchcock movie. Um, but anyway, yeah, that they have a whole scene within the car, like, oh, I'll be right back. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that. Oh, so clever. I thought that was really funny. It was cute. But I, I, I think that it only works because of how good those two are. I thought Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson, I'm like, oh, these guys should have had their own movie. And then he gets stabbed in the head. Yeah. Which wasn't in the script. Wes Craven put it in because he was inspired... Um, by a real life event where someone walked into an ER after being stabbed in the head. Crazy. Yeah. <coughs> so um, they end up at this at at uh, Kirby's house. The kids. Oh, oh yeah. Ghostface kills um, Jill's mom as well, and then Sydney goes to try and find Jill because Jill snuck out of the house. I think is that what it was? And she went. And she went to the party. No, she tells Jill to hide under the bed. Right. That's what it was. And then she's gone when Sydney comes back. Right. Anyway, uh, Sydney ends up getting stabbed by a second ghost face. So, oh, right. So there's this great bit. It's actually a decent bit outside. So, like, um, Kirby is is all, like, making out, well, about to make out with um, Rory Culkin. And then that stops happening. And anyway... Uh, that was Kirby, also funny the way they yeah. get interrupted. Kirby and Sydney are hiding in the basement, and then Roy Calkins at the window, like, hey, fucking let me in. And she's all like, mm, I can't do that because what if you're a murderer? And he's like, oh, please. And she's like, I'm sorry. Anyway, he gets tied up a la <laughs> the beginning sorry. of Scream 1, uh, and it's got to like, answer these trivia questions, right? Right. Anyway, I think she ends up getting it wrong. No, she, she says, I got it right, and she hangs up, and then she goes out to him, and she's like, I got it right, and she's untying him. Right, and then and then Swerve, Charlie stabs her, and it turns out that Charlie is the killer. And, yeah, I agree, this was a weak moment Ugh. of the movie when he says, you notice me now after four years? So I'm like, okay, so let's go through the motivations of the killers. <laughs> so Stu is clearly insane anyway, <laughs> like, but it works for the movie. Billy... Is it an asshole and a bad person, but like, hey, you know, his mom ran off because Sydney's mom fucked him. Fucked her, whatever. Uh, two, you know, Billy Loomis's mom has a pretty good reason for killing, as does Crazy Elephantastic. Uh, He's crazy. Three, if we can accept the preposterous notion of the of the long lost brother, fine, it works. <laughs> uh, but, but in this one, this guy's mad because Kirby didn't think he was handsome until too late. It was pretty weak. Oh, so fucking weak. Yeah. But then he wasn't the real killer. The mastermind all along was Jill, Sydney's cousin. She wants to be famous. All her life, she's only ever heard of Sydney. And I'm going like this. Boo! You suck! Yeah. And her whole, like, explanation for why and how. I'm like, oh, this is so fucking stupid. And originally, I guess, the plan was that she was going to, like, get away with it. And you were going to think Sydney was dead until the very end where you realize Sydney's still alive. And then the next movie would have been... Sydney, Dewey, and Gail going and proving that Jill was a murderer and, like, having everyone think they were dead. Yeah, so the, like, whole last scene of the hospital... Oh! 
um, has a very tacked on feel to it because it was in fact tacked, tacked on. Because they were like, you know what, we might not get to make another one of these movies. Let's just wrap and, it up. Um, I guess Williamson was not happy with that. That's not what he wrote. He was wanted his ending. I'm actually glad it just ended. I'm glad that they actually had an ending. I liked the hospital scene because it had an ending. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it had an ending, and it was just as stupid as the rest of the movie, so it at least fits the movie, I guess. <laughs> but, like, yeah, they... Jill's looking to be a hero, Sid, but then she finds out that Sydney has somehow being survived being stabbed, so she goes in the hospital to try and kill Sydney again, and Dewey and Gail... I forget even how, but they figure out that... Oh, yeah, because... Uh, Gail had got stabbed in the shoulder, and Jill had stabbed herself in the shoulder to make it look like she was being killed by Ghostface, that and then says a line to Dewey, like, oh, we could make a book together, we both got stabbed, we have matching wounds. wounds, and then Gail's like, how the fuck did she know I got stabbed in the shoulder, and then they both go, oh, shit! I liked it, I liked Ugh. the hospital scene. And then she brains Dewey with a bedpan. <laughs> I thought the whole scene, though, of Jill running into things and stabbing herself was laughable. It oh, looked well, like something out of a. Sucked. It looked like something out of a scary movie. Yeah, because she sucked. Yeah. Like honest to God, they should have got Anna Ferris because she would have done this better, and it would have been funny because she's obviously not sixteen. Who's Anna Ferris? Anna Ferris plays um, Cindy in all the Scream movies. Oh well, yeah, I love yeah, her. Of course you do. She's the house bunny. <laughs> she's the house. Bunny. Anyway, so yeah, this is by far my least favorite Scream movie. Mine as uh, well. I think that I. I would really appreciate it. I love you more than anything. Please don't make me watch Scream 4 ever again. I won't. Thank you for watching. I will watching. watch Scream 1, 2, and 3 with you anytime you want. But please don't make me watch Scream 4 again. Unless we can just watch the scenes with Hayden Panettiere, Dewey, and Gale. Thank you for going on this Scream journey with me, Joey. Honey, it was my pleasure. Um, I want to also say that this movie was the first in the franchise to use CGI instead of a collapsible blade. So anytime you see a blade yeah. going into someone, it's CGI. That's... Okay, I didn't really know this, but I bet you it sucks. <coughs> also, another thing I had wanted to say is in Scream 3, Cotton's death, yeah. he is wearing almost the same thing as Drew Barrymore in the first yes, one. Yes, their outfits a are very, so similar. A very similar sweater, that was so cool. white pants, the whole When you yards. pointed that out, I was like, oh my god, that's it. awesome. I yeah. loved that part, that little nod to the first one. So I, I, I uh, was listening to some stuff about horror movie fans talking about this, and it seemed like everyone in this whole chat, except for me, was taking crazy pills. They all think that this is the second best Scream movie. What? They all think it's so good and so clever, and I'm just like, are you, what the, Jesus. And this was uh, Wes Craven's last movie. Before right? he died, yes, yeah. that's correct. So, fuck. What like, a bummer at least, to go out on this well, one. Well, he went out on his franchise that he, I guess. That he loved. Look, I love Wes Craven. I think he's one of the best. Uh, I just think this movie's stupid, and most of the but most of the stuff about this movie that's stupid is not him. Like it's finally directed. It's just the writing. I hate it. Like I actually think the writing in three is better, and the writing in three is bad, and the acting in this one, with very few exceptions, is bad. Yeah. Emma Roberts sucks. Yeah. Like what the fuck? This movie is so disappointing. It did have this movie of all of them had more, even though like the third one. We said it was more Scooby-Doo. Yeah. This one just felt like a scary movie, like one of the parodies. Yeah, but not as good, because I actually really like those. I do love Next Halloween, can we movies. do Scary Movie 1, 2, 3, and 4? Well, let's not decide that now. <laughs> All right. This episode has been long, and I'm... The reason we don't... My butt hurts so much, so we're not going to do any more long ones like this until maybe next Halloween. 
uh, where we're going to watch Joey's all eight Hellraiser recorded, movies. Recorded. My butt is recorded. <laughs> Your butt has healed. It's My late. My butt is healed, yeah. It it's is late. late for it's us. quarter past ten. We've got to go to bed. Uh, so we're going to leave you with uh, the announcement of what we're watching next month. Next so month. it's my month. It's my pick. We're going on November. date night. Yeah, we have. We're gonna go to a movie theater and watch a new movie. Ooh, is that exciting? Yes. We're gonna see um, uh, one of my current favorite directors right now. Uh, you like him? We actually recently watched one of his movies on the podcast, Mike All Flanagan. Right. We watched uh, Hush. But oh. Michael Flanagan's new movie is Doctor Sleep. Hush was my pick. Yes, it was Doctor Sleep, Dr. the Sleep. Stephen King adaptation of the novel sequel to The Shining. The trailers look really good. I'm excited to see this movie. It looks cool. So we're going to be watching Doctor Sleep, and we'll be back at the last Friday of November. So until next month, have a happy Halloween. Spook, stay spooky. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've forgotten how we end this. So <laughs> next time, I am the creature Joey G, and I'm the bride Nicole. I'll be right back. Kissy, kissy. How this woman ever decide <laughs> to wed this man? <laughs> <laughs>